Welcome, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi for our special After Dark episode called When God Cancels Church. Zellin, how are you? I'm doing fine, Willie, but you've you've kind of been missing in action for a while, so maybe yeah. we should check up on you first. No, I'm I'm alive. Arkansas still here, <laughs> still here. Can't keep me down. Dust can't kill me. Uh, I'm here. Uh, good to be back in the saddle. Feels a little weird when I'm not doing Word Fitly every week, but uh, we are back. You know, it's a little odd. It was kind of like that season of the Dukes of Hazard where Bo and Luke were replaced by Coy and Vance. But uh, we've, I am, I am back in the saddle, so we are here. Um, I should have just told everybody that there were vicious word fitly disputes, and we were gonna, we were gonna break off into competing podcasts. I'm not even sure what these competing podcasts would be named, like no, the real word fitly, or yeah, 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 real word fitly, Genesio fitly, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> something, something cringy. But yeah, so we are here. It is good. Uh, weather is warm. The current temperature is, let's see, let's take a look. The temperature is in the 70s already, so we'll probably hit up into the 80s today. Good grilling weather here, and so hopefully uh, the the grill season has begun. How about up there? Are you uh, still snowed in? No, we. I mean, there's snow on the ground, certainly, and that's something that we're still contending with, but it's kind of just in the ditches and stuff now. Uh, it's definitely melted back quite a bit, and the ground is starting to green up a little bit, but... Overall, I would say that it's maybe like in the 40s right now, which is warmer than what we've had up to this point, but it's certainly not anywhere near what you have. I mean, it it's not really gardening season for another month here in North Dakota. Well, I'm ashamed to say uh, I don't even have anything in the ground yet, but still plenty of time to do it. it it's strange here because weather's not really been conducive to planting. Hmm just too wet or too wet it's actually been a little cold uh, in the mornings occasionally so you'll get a little snap here and there but uh i don't know we'll get it in the ground we'll get something going i think i think this episode is going to be one long weather post if you really think about it it is you know the people are going to wonder you know what 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 is this about god canceling church well you know we've done the obligatory discussions on covid and church shutdowns everybody's talked about that but then, you know, Zelman was snowed in a Sunday or two, and Easter wasn't looking good for a while, but you made it. And right. like, what what happens when you f- <laughs> the weather is so bad that you physically cannot get into church? And so we started to call that when God cancels church. That it's one thing to, to make a decision of, well, because of potential risk, we're going to shut the church down indefinitely, uh, which I think we all know better. And yet, well, I actually, a lot of us don't know better. But... But what happens when, for a true reason, you cannot meet? Now, we're, I, th- I assume we'll talk about all the other options. The weather option, the uh, church has been driven underground option, your church has been weighed and found wanting, and so God curses it. What happens in all of these situations? And so that's what we're going to talk about. So it's never an easy thing, is it, Zelwyn? You've got a huge blizzard coming. You know you're going to get 12 to 37 inches of snow overnight, Sundays are coming, and you've got to make that call. What's the thought process? Yeah, you're going to get 37 feet of snow. You're trying to decide whether you should have church or not, that sort of thing. Well, one of the things that I've found, especially when it comes to the weather, is I don't like to cancel until I have to. Because there's been times where I think people get a little jittery about weather reports, and they cancel prematurely. And then the weather ends up being fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm yeah, sure you, okay. we've all experienced this where it's like, oh, no, you know, we're going to have a, a mega storm tomorrow. And then it turns out to be just a little a little shower or something like that. You know, some right. some very small thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, as far as trying to determine, you know, how do you know when to actually cancel church? I think it really does come down to, you know, the, the risk involved is there going to be actual danger to life if people are out on the road here? And I think in those cases, that would be a time when, as we say in this episode, God is canceling church. Yeah. And, you know, it. Um, the immediate question that comes in, as you just said it, hey, we don't want people out on the roads or whatever. Mm-hmm. Now, when it came to illness, we said, let people make their own risks. Mm-hmm. 
And so that does become a very tricky one. But I do think that weather is wholly different. There's a physical impediment to getting somewhere. Right. And there is already a known quantity, namely six feet of snow on the ground, uh, an inch of ice, whatever. Now, some people are able to always have church. Uh, this is, you know, this is our commuter society makes this a little bit more difficult. Like when I was in Illinois, there's really no reason to cancel because I could just walk over there. Now, it did get canceled. It would get canceled occasionally, but mostly because the most dedicated people, the people who will be there, no matter the weather, no matter the disease, are they're super faithful and they're often super elderly. And it's 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 interesting to watch that. You know, uh, it's 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 similar to. Uh, I mean, th- those are the ones who are faithful. It's the relatively healthy middle aged crew you got to worry about 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 showing up. I mean. Right, right, exactly. And I think the the big difference like between say ill, you know, illness or something like that and like with the weather, the the weather is obviously meant to be a temporary kind of thing. Right? We are canceling today because there is, you know, great danger today. Yeah. But the assumption is is that it's only today. Well, yeah, and sometimes it's like, hey, we're canceling or we're moving service. It's not nine o'clock now, it's gonna be at two o'clock. Get the, sure. not the plows time to come. Yeah. It's not this indefinite, hey, when it's safe to come back, we'll come back. Right, right. Yeah. And, no, this this is the, the, the snow plow needs to get out on the road or whatever the the physical impediment may be. That's what we're waiting for. But once it's gone, then we're okay, kind of a thing. Yeah. And That's I've what, also and I've never liked this argument. Well, nobody's gonna show up, so we might as well cancel. Eh, yeah. Bad argument. <laughs> Two or three are gathered, all that stuff. Right. Just if it if it's just you and your family, you can show up and say mass and go home. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um. It, it's just it's going to probably affect you more just because of where you live. But you guys are, or it might affect us worse if we ever get a big snow here, which will occasionally happen because there's no infrastructure to take care of it. Right. You guys, at least, um, everybody's got a set of chains, and uh, finding a plow is not hard. <laughs> you know. Um. But it's not something that should be made flippantly, like you said. It's not something that should be made early. And I think people are more sensitive toward canceling, you know, after the lockdowns. I think people, it's easier for the lay people not to go and much, much harder for the pastors, however, on the flip side, to cancel for any reason. Right. Because we're talking the Sunday service, the divine service. This is where uh, we are receiving the sacrament. We're receiving the strength we need for the journey that week, that the remission of sins, all of these things are, are very much necessary. And to go without those, a Christian will feel at the very least parched, I would right. hope. And online worship is no substitute for true in-person communal worship. And so we need to do whatever we can to uh, to make it work. Now, it's also one of the most wonderful things you see uh, when God sends inclement weather and you have dedicated church members who are out in the parking lot making sure everything gets cleared and salted. So there's also opportunities to serve in the midst of that. Now, now this is kind of the comfortable one. This is the comfortable way to talk about it because it's, well, okay, we can all understand. What if I have to cancel church because of that? What do you do when a tornado rips through and the, the building's gone? What do you right. do when an arsonist shows up? Uh, right. what, what do you do? And, you know, is that we would say that the weather is from God. I'm not going to say that the arsonist is from God. Um, in the providential way, yes, but in the immediate active way, no. Right, right. And, and there, there's going to be a time where there is no church building. And I think more and more we're coming to that time where, you know, you're going to have to, to worship elsewhere. And I, that's a very interesting discussion. So you take, for example, what's happening to Anglicans or to any denomination where the church body owns the church property. Right. You know, what do you do? Uh, you know, the Presbyterians went through this when Machen and co went to form uh, what would become the Orthodox Presbyterian church. You know, they, they go out to North Dakota in one case and they have to worship in a school bus because they've been removed from their church building. You know, so it's a question of access to a church building does not immediately mean that you can't have church. And I think everybody right. knows that, but is everybody ready for that? Are you ready for that? Because I think those days are going to come. Well, and I think, and again, just drawing out the, the the big difference here, again, with something as simple as the weather, you're just dealing with 
the the right now, this Sunday kind of a thing. And in that case, yes, there are cases when God cancels church and, you know, it's okay to, I mean, not ideal, but okay to go without. But to persist in that for something like you don't have a church building because it got destroyed or because it was taken away from you, mm-hmm. that obviously is something we cannot tolerate. Yeah. You know, there needs to be church there. It's 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 the difference between in the short term and in the long term. In the short term, yes, but in the long term, absolutely not. Yeah, and there needs to be a way to make reasonable accommodations so that church can be had. Like I said, if you can have church in the afternoon, do that. Yep. You know, if if a seven o'clock church service isn't working out for whatever reason, because your congregation averages one hundred and twenty years old. And and the brittle North Dakota wind is going to crush them. You just you move it till when the sun's up, right? I thought you meant like seven p.m. or a.m. or whatever well, seven something. So well, it's only a matter of time before you institute a Sunday seven p.m. service. Anyway, well, fair enough. It's it's coming. It's coming. Uh, but it's, it's become so easy though to not go to church. I mean, it amazes me that rain will deter people. Yeah. Or wind. Or wind. Yeah. And maybe maybe I'm less sympathetic to that because like here in North Dakota, wind is just part of life. I mean, if yeah. it's windy, you you're still doing things. It's not like the wind yeah. stops you. Well, look, people will sit out in the freezing cold, blistering heat, blustering wind, uh, to watch a ball game and not right. think twice. And I know that, that 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 point has become such a cliche now, but it is true. The national religion is sport, and people are dedicated to that. But partly cloudy, not partly sunny, so I'm not going to go to church today. It happens. And immediately people are going to be like, well, what about what if somebody's got this disease or this ailment or whatever? Like, we're not talking about those, those cases. We're talking about perfectly healthy people who choose to absent themselves. Right. And, and so... One of the ways that we play into that is if we so flippantly cancel church, then that kind of gives a little bit of weight to what they're doing. Right, right. Which is why I always try to wait to actually make the call to cancel until it's obvious that it has to be done. You know, so even if that means having to get up early in the morning to see what the weather's doing, check the road report, you just do it because this is important. You know, we need to be in the things of God. We need to be in church. And if that, if we can't do that in the short term, well, that's, you know, God may prevent us from doing that, but we cannot just flippantly say, I have no need of this. Yeah. And, and again, it goes back to something that we just always have to hammer on uh, that, like you said, the necessity of corporate worship. Again, the digital is, is no replacement for that. I, you know, you read the stories of the pioneers and what they what they would walk through just to just to get to church, right? And you know, I wonder, Zelwyn, and you can respond to this if this isn't a bit of a symptom of the times that we live in, where it's so easy to get to church. There's so many opportunities, and because of that, we we don't. It's it's kind of like we have great access to fresh foods and better foods than we ever have. Fresh produce all winter, things like that. You could be eating good stuff all year round and it's right there in front of us and we don't take it. We don't take the opportunity. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And especially because I would even attribute it to our general health. Like we don't have this impending sense that, you know, we may not be here next week, which is always kind of a, a live reality, especially in previous centuries that you just the general uncertainty of life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there is that greater desire to go because, you know, this might be my my last opportunity. I'm just not sure. I may be sick at the end of the week and this that'll be the illness that takes my life. And because we have in some sense overcome that, at least in some degree, uh, we have lost this urgency. And it does really become kind of a, oh, well, there's always another opportunity. So that's why I'm glad the view from my office window is just a cemetery. Right. The constant reminder of the gathering doom that is coming. We do need memento moris again, by the way. We should sell word fitly branded skulls for bookshelves. (laughs) That'll be our merch. 
That's our merch. You just get a skull. I mean, it, it'll. I don't know what it'll be. Like, I, I don't want to source any of these chintzy plastic ones, so I'm going to have to go to like an Indian medical school and, and grab some some skulls. But I think we can do it. <laughs> We're not going to put our brand on them either. We'll just send you a skull. It'll be right. dubiously legal, but right. It'll it'll help your your spirituality. Before I'm brought up on charges for that joke, I said Indian because all of the medical skeletons you buy today are from India. So everybody, calm down. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean we we do need to recapture some of that sense of urgency. We really have become a complacent people. You know, we are not grieved over the ruin of Joseph. To to quote Amos there. And yeah. I think we need to be. And maybe maybe that's because we have blinded ourselves to the reality of what's going on around us. Maybe it's because we're convinced that things are always going to be the same. I'm not really sure. But we mm. need to be shaken out of our, our lukewarmness before we get spit out. Yeah. And from top to bottom, it has to happen. Church needs revival, I think. Uh, <laughs> time for another great awakening. I don't know. But it takes voices to do that. And we are in, I don't know, I think we're on the threshing floor right now. I think we're still seeing the parting of the sheep of the goats happen in real time. And we're seeing that at, on, on all levels of, of church life, from the local parish level all the way up to bigwigs and offices. The, the axe is, is being laid to the root. And that's okay. That's good. We need that. But it's, it's, it's going to take some hard preaching to remind people and it don't just mean Sunday morning. I think I think when people hear preaching, people forget what we mean here. Because there's no use preaching this a lot of times on Sunday morning because the people who need to hear it aren't there to hear it. Right. So it's going to take a reaching out. It's going to take uh, you know fathers reminding their children that they need to come. It's going to take fathers putting on their dad pants and actually taking their children to church. And they need to get up and go to church with their families. You know, this uh, kind of matriarchal church has happened because pastors didn't, or excuse me, pastors, yes, but fathers didn't uh, didn't do what they were supposed to do. And so you've got a generation that's been taught the most important thing you could do is go to Little League practice or whatever class you've got. The most important thing you can do is your extracurriculars in school and go to college. They've forgotten that that is, in fact, not the most important thing that you can do. The most important thing you can do is to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. And Amen. We need to be reminded of that. And people just don't want to hear it. Uh, they don't want to hear it. And when we've we've turned, and we'll talk about this more at the break, because I kind of want to get to the next segment. Um, we've turned church into an entirely passive endeavor in our own circles to the point of making it meaningless. Now, in the, pro- in the positive sense, we've been passive because God is serving us in the service. 100% agree. And yet, you are not meant to be merely passive spectators. And this is not just something that you come and and take part of when you feel bad or feel particularly sinful or it's Easter or whatever. That this is regular spiritual care. This is regular feeding. This is a normal thing the Christian must do, given to them in a supernatural way so that they can go about their warfare, which is the Christian life wrestling not against flesh and blood, but against those principalities. Which is why when we speak about like online worship and stuff like that, we speak against it because yes, it is in some sense, you get something out of it, but it is really missing much. I mean, I would even say missing all of what God wants to actually have, you know, and wants to actually give because church is meant to be something which is done together. It is something that we gather together to do. And it's not something, as you say, we just sit around and spectate. We're not watching this happen. This is something that, you know, we need to, to, to strive with. We need to contend for, to actually be in the things of God and to fight in that sense. I mean, to, I mean using Paul's language here, to, to fight and in, in contend in our prayers with one another and to glorify God in that way. That is something that we have lost as a as a church and something we need to regain. Amen. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi. We're talking about why not to cancel church or why to cancel church and when to do it. When God does it, when man does it, what the difference is. Okay, well, let's take a look at a different situation. Let's say that hypothetically we're controlled by interdimensional communist overlords. Okay, let's just hypothetically say malevolent forces of darkness are in control of the world governments. Okay, let's say that happens. And let's say that they've shut down all the churches, hypothetically. Has anything ever like that ever happened? I don't know. It's not like something happened like that for about 60 years in world history recently. But <laughs> let's say that happens. Let's say they've come in and said, you can't worship. We're shutting the church down. We're boarding up the doors. What do you do? Well, you have to worship. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Please, no incriminating answers. <laughs> I mean, it, it really comes down to if the world tells you you can't, in that sense, you still have to. We have to listen to God rather than men. And we've seen this happen not just in the, the past several decades or even the past couple of years, to be more specific. But, I mean, even throughout church history, you see this sort of thing happen where Christians are told, you can't gather together anymore, so what do they do? Say, say, oh, okay, I guess, well, Romans 13, I guess we won't gather together anymore. Yeah, well, right. We're not going to go worship in the catacombs because, um, yeah, so that is, that's what the church did. They went, they worshiped underground, they worshiped in secret. Initially, it's right there in the book of Acts. <laughs> the, they hid for fear of the Jews, and so they're in hiding because the enemies of the church— are trying to destroy them, but it did not stop them from worshiping. What are they doing in Acts? Being persecuted by Jews initially, then they will be persecuted by Romans, but they are going house to house, the breaking of bread and the prayers. So they're meeting in homes out of necessity. One, yeah, they don't have church buildings, but two, they would get stoned or something. I mean, they could. it was right. very dangerous. It is that way in other countries. Now, you think about the privilege that we have to live in a country right now where we're able to have this tedious argument over, can I cancel for snow or should I cancel for snow? When there are people who are like, well, I could get macheted today, but we're going to worship here in this field and hope a squad of Bantu don't show up or something, you know? Right. And that's where we are. Now we need to take that into serious you know, consideration because it could come here. And this is not a black pill episode, but we made it way too easy to cancel church about three years ago. Right. We're we coming up on three years. We're still in two. I don't know. And I don't, I think, I think we need a time of national repentance for that. Um, I, I'm, I'd be game for that. You know, we need to think in terms of that where, where the church was driven underground, driven underground specifically means they worshiped in secret and it's still true worship. What do we need for true worship? The gospel preached, the sacraments rightly administered. You need that, which would entail a pastor gathering around the word and the sacrament. Okay, you can do that virtually anywhere. Not virtually, as in online, but... Right, 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 right. <laughs> essentially anywhere. Essentially anywhere. And it could come to that. Now, in the Missouri Synod, our churches all own our own property. Now, generally, if it closes, it's going to go to the district, but there's no way a district can come in and seize that property realistically. So we don't have to worry about that. But there are Christians who are losing their church buildings, even in America today, because they don't support the agendas of the age. Right. And that's why they're losing it. You never hear of like a radical leftist church losing their property. Right. It's the people right. that are over here like, hey, can we have some traditional Christianity? And they're like, yeah, but not in this building. What could end up happening to our churches are a few things. One, they could peter out because when the son of man returns, will he find faith on the earth? They could peter out. That could happen. Uh, my passing shower and all that. Uh, they could also grow and be once again reminded. And we got an episode about this coming up on uh, Christian dominion that we have a mandate to convert the world. Right. right. <laughs> and so, and to subdue creation, but you know, we could still win. This is going to sound odd. And this is probably uh, for another history episode, but you know, I remember like being at a Christian college and the cool thing was, and it is still this because Lutheran the Lutherans, I was not um, at a Lutheran college, but they still, the evangelicals I went to college with 
who loved fog machines and stuff made the same jokes about evangelicals that confessional Lutherans make about them. So there's some room for thought there, but oh, Jerry Falwell was evil. The moral majority was evil. Blah 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 blah. The older I get, the more I'm like, no, they were they were based and red pilled. Okay, they absolutely saw what was going on. Oh, they said there was Satanism in the entertainment industry. Yeah, they were right. Full episode on that. Uh, as 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 we you know observe people doing literally satanic things like openly in music videos. No, they, yeah. they they didn't know what they were talking about. Right. Talking about drinking blood and things like that. So we need to capture a little bit of that. Oh, well, it was a political solution. No, it, it wasn't a purely political solution because those people who were running that also had gigantic churches as well. It, you could do worse, dear Christian, than telling your kids not to take satanic art into their eyes and ears. And we're literally to the point in Lutheranism now where I have to say that. Like, you, sh- there are some things that are bad for you. And people balk at it. Well, I've got Christian freedom. You have all, you have all the Christian freedom in the world you want, okay? And you can, you can, you're free to go to hell, too. God's going to, you know, if you really want to reject him. Now, I'm not saying you go to hell because you listen to the Black Album or something. But I am saying that you've got to pull back from this extreme of everything is fine. I can't be spiritually harmed which goes back to the passive worship thing because there is no passive Christian life. Yes. Salvation is passive, but the Christian life is active. And again, not, I I don't, again, don't mistake me here. You are free to do what you want, but not everything is going to be good for you. And if we take the moral argument aside, why do you want to keep giving money to the beast? Why do you want to keep giving money to these things that absolutely want to destroy you? You can't brainwash my children until they're in the fourth grade, that sort of thing. That, that sort of thing. And call it a win. And <laughs> it's just... And, and again, I, I think know. I think the reason that we have these issues, Elwin, is because people want a cookie-cutter approach. Some people are going to be able to, to take in these things and be fine. Some people are not. And there are certain things that are just inherently sinful that you should not take in. So I don't think there's a Christian case for hallucinogenic drugs, for example. Uh, right. Because that's opening a gateway to demons, you know. This this just is slowly turning into a satanic panic podcast, really. But it, <laughs> listen, it'll stop being that way when we get the satanists out. When we drive out all of the uh, the people causing troubles, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Two goals: drive out money changers, drive out devil worshippers. But I repeat myself. <laughs> And I, I think this is the point where we're actually calling for the uh, the reinstatement of muscular Christianity. But yeah. there there is something to that, that, you know, we have become so passive in everything. We have become so blasé that we just aren't even interested in seeking after the things of God. I mean, it's yeah. just, I, do, I don't, I want to be a Christian, but I don't want to have to work at it. Yeah, I mean, this is why I... Listen, I cannot, in good conscience, like condemn the crazy guy on the street corner preaching. Okay? The guy who's on the street corner saying, repent, turn to Jesus, or you'll go to hell. And we're all like to laugh at that guy. Like, that guy's got more stones than half the pastors I know because he's going out there really putting it on the line. Now, you could quibble, I mean, probably rightly, about what he's preaching. 100%, I understand. But not the principle there that he believes people are perishing. So... So I must. And so for us then, you know, to go back to the worship question then, worship is essential. If we're going to talk about muscular Christianity or active Christianity, whatever, we need, yeah, passively receive that food to strengthen us for what lies ahead. Therefore, worship is essential because you will starve without it. You need to feast on the word and through the various means in which it comes to you. We absolutely need those things, and we need men to step up. But we need women to step up, too. We need women to live as women and as Christian women should and to be bold about that, and sometimes they're better than we are, than men are. But again, but this is not a me like Mother's Day is more important than Father's Day or something like that, but <laughs> we, we need, we just, we just need guys to, uh, to, to speak up, and it's becoming harder and harder to speak up. This is why many people have turned to pseudonyms, for example. Uh, right. That I think the reason why, and I've, I su- I actually do support people posting under pseudonyms, and 100%. I'm gonna yeah, yeah. yeah, and I'm gonna give the rationale for those who don't know. Like I saw, 
Okay, so I'm really tired of Elon bought Twitter memes, but I saw Mike Huckabee, Arkansas's own Mike Huckabee, being like, yeah, it's going to be a victory for free speech. And I, I'm paraphrasing here, but I hope that Musk, you know, makes pe- where you can't post anonymously because so you, you shouldn't have to hide behind. It's like, look, Mike, <laughs> Mr. All due respect, Mr. Governor. Um, the reason people do this is because they will be absolutely ruined for posting even normal conservative and even normal Christian takes under their name. And oftentimes they'll be turned in by people who are supposed to be on their side. Right. So I see posting under pseudonyms as something akin to an underground church, especially when it's Christian, because it that's kind of where we're at as far as being able to speak out on these things. Men have to use pseudonyms. Otherwise they will be absolutely be persecuted and be ruined. And I don't believe in, in punishing people for wrong thing. Right. At least, right. especially when I agree with it. Well, and I, I think I think pointing out the fact that people, the the worst enemies in those cases will be those who are allegedly their friends. Yeah, and I think that in itself is probably the biggest impetus for anonymous posting. Hey, who's in the innermost pit of hell in in the inferno? In Dante. Well, I mean, what Judas, Brutus. Cassius, and Brutus? Yeah, yeah. traitors. <laughs> Um, and there are a lot of Judases today. And I do not understand this this wanting to be loved by the world thing. Look, you know, I went, I, I'll, I'm going to be on like a, a big Mormon podcast pretty soon. And so I will sit down and have a civil discussion with people that I disagree with. I understand kind of a meeting of the minds and being cordial. I get that. But I don't understand the need for approval from people who absolutely hate you. That, that host doesn't hate me. I'm not talking about the Mormons. I'm talking about, <laughs> you know, people who are fundamentally opposed to everything you stand for. Right. And wanting to, uh, wanting to kowtow to them and then throwing your, you know, pseudonymous uh, brothers under the bus because of that. Dangerous yeah. to me. Very dangerous. So yeah. anyway, that's why people now there's the great temptation of, of a pseudonym is that maybe you say things a bit more harshly than you normally would. But, um, you know that's but that's a question of discipline that doesn't make the the anonymous part immoral and right. i don't think it's bearing false witness either because people have been publishing under pseudonyms forever right right or wearing disguises or preaching in disguise i mean david did so yeah. there's that there you go there you go <laughs> luther did it luther. <laughs> if you won't be convinced by david be convinced by luther <laughs> Yeah, I, and and I think I think you're tying this around to like dealing with a church driven underground and stuff like that. I think I think that is also an important thing to point out because it may come to the point where a church does need to worship in secret again. That you cannot no- let the 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 place where you are worshiping be known publicly, which was the case of like the early Christians and the catacombs. You know they were. You, you let the people you could trust know where you were going to worship, but that was it. You kept yeah. it secret otherwise. And there's nothing that is displeasing about that. I mean, even think of displeasing to God about that. Even think of like the the two midwives of the uh, among the yeah. Hebrew women, yeah. and and tell you know Shipron Pua, and telling Pharaoh, you know, this is what we're doing, you know. They've already given birth. Basically, I mean, even to the point of lying mm-hmm. to Pharaoh. And yeah. yet God blesses them because in that way, lives are preserved. Yeah, so. yeah. And, hey, look, there's there it is. I mean, that's like, this is good tactics. But, but God <laughs> commends it. Right. And then that's not carte blanche. You can't just lie anytime right. you want. But, right. you know, there is a time for discretion. There's a time for secrecy. Because you need that. You need the prudence to be able to do that when you can. You know, it's like if you, you know, yeah, it's it's sinful to be for whoever is driving you underground. It's not sinful to be underground. And God sustains the church when she is underground. And which is actually an interesting thing, because that sort of shows us that the divine service is not primarily evangelistic. That the, that the Sunday divine service is primarily for the Christian. Right. And so when you're worshiping in secret, you're not inviting everybody but it's Christians gathering around what they need and receiving that and then going out and then witnessing or and then uh, testifying, whatever preaching more clandestinely outside of that service and bringing people in that way. 
Well, and, and I think I think pointing that out too, that this is something that is meant for the Christian is important because our forefathers understood how much they needed it, yeah. how much they needed worship, even if it was something they had to do secretly, even if it was something they had to do underground, they recognized that it was worth the cost. Yeah. Do we do we do we recognize that today? Do yeah. we, are, are we willing to put it all on the line? Yeah, people have shed their blood for the holy Christian church. They have laid down their lives so that we could have these comfortable buildings. They have laid down their lives so that we could listen to the gospel, hear the gospel again and again, receive the sacrament again and again in luxury from padded pews and golden chalices. They bled so that we could have that, and we treat it so flippantly, nonchalantly, as if it doesn't matter at all. And maybe the Lord will humble us. Maybe we're going back to apple cart altars again. Apple crate altars and uh, things like that. Maybe we need that. Maybe we need um, to be taken down a peg or two. Maybe we need to shrink in order to grow. Yeah. No, I, I think I think that's an excellent point. You know, maybe we need to leave behind our padded pews and to start going out into the highways and the hedges once more. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I really do think that that comfort. That comfort really is an idol of our age, and right. I, I, I'm not sure the way out of it. Besides seeking after that which is important. Yeah, so. I mean, think about all the quibbles, uh, even around worship and things that split churches. Worship times, air conditioners, I mean, all these things. Right. I'm not going to go to church because that's too early. I'm not going to go because that's too late. I'm not going to go because of this. They'll just go, and trust your your church leaders. Trust your pastor. And elders to actually that they're actually running things okay and just go at whatever time they set. <laughs> just do it. <laughs> or like, you know, in the early days when they had to work on Sunday because that was still part of their culture. And so they got up even before daybreak so they could worship. Yeah. I don't think they were quibbling about the time then. Right. Or went in the evening after they'd finished a day of whatever Hard they labor. did. Back then. Yeah. Of, of, of like just gruesome manual labor. Well, and especially because remember, most of the early Christians were slaves. And so they would have been treated like slaves, especially in the Roman Empire, where they were considered more or less disposable. Yeah. And yet to be to labor in that way, and yet still to go out and to worship the Lord, even though you're dead dog tired. I think that says something. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And and guess what? They still had to go back and be slaves the next day and do it all over the next week. <laughs> and even slaves were allowed to go worship. Imagine, think about that. Like a slave. A slave makes it work. <laughs> and yet we struggle with our employers. Yeah. Man, what does that say about our society? Right. We need to return to blue laws. Is this what you were really driving towards in the whole episode, Willie? Was, that's, was that that's what it was. Right yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, uh, society needs to remember the Lord's Day again. And I'm also going to say, let's go back and also remember Wednesday too, just because. Because time was, especially in in these parts, it wasn't just Sunday they didn't touch. Also Wednesday night they didn't touch, because that was considered another church day. Now that's not part of Lutheran culture per se, but we could make it a part of it. If we meme hard enough, meme to dream, my friend. (laughs) Well, I mean, even, even when I was growing up, you know, Wednesday was kind of untouchable, or at least Wednesday evening, you know, but it's just kind of slowly encroached because, well, people want to do sports or be comfortable in other things. And that's and that's kind of why we've lost it. Maybe and maybe in that sense, we are just getting what we've deserved. No, God's given us what we asked for. That's he a, gave, that's he a harrowing did. thought. <laughs> he gave the same to Sodom and Gomorrah, too. All right, and with that note, we've got to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zell and Heidi, talking about God canceling the church, what the church needs, how to revive it, and that's where we're at. We're going to talk about some practical stuff here. The church, she's she's fallen asleep, okay? CPAP machine's off. She's choking. <laughs> what do we do? What do we do? <laughs> well, I think the first thing we would need to do is just to be in the things of God. I mean, that sounds kind of trite almost, but it really is an answer that we need because we've taken these things for granted. We assume they're always going to be there, but the times are showing us that that's not necessarily true, that we right. may very well lose these things. So we need to hold on to them with a fervor far greater than what we've had up to this point. Yeah. The pastors that we all hear from, they're on the same page here. They're asking us these questions you know they're they're wanting to hear what can we do because our our brother pastors feel alone sometimes out there because you know a pastor's work is 100% to do with the church you know you're a full-time if you're a full-time pastor that's what you focus on and it feels as if for a lot of them they are in situations where they don't see a lot of active faith in their congregations um so i think it begins one with the pastor modeling it to be a role model and an example, and I know they don't like to hear that. That's not my call. Kind of is because you're you're teaching them how to to be a Christian, and we're in a point where let's take confirmation off the table. Someone, let's take baptism off the table here. We are we're getting wild. All right, go on. <laughs> because we are teaching people to be Christians. We've had many people out there who were baptized who never darkened a church door after that. Baptized as infants or whatever doesn't matter, and that's a problem. You absolutely should be baptizing those babies, but implicit in those, explicit in those baptismal vows is, yeah, we'll be taking him to church. Right. I'll be in church. I'll be faithful. A reminder that, okay, everything sort of like your week begins with that divine service, but everything else flows out of that. Right. Right. So that how can I be a Christian Monday through Saturday? So you've got to pray. You have to be thinking about, uh, what it means uh, vocationally. Now, now I am king of cliches today, but you're a father. You have a specific vocation and specific duty as a Christian father. And we are teaching our children how to be Christians. Pastors, you are teaching your members how to be Christians. And so that is the long, slow walk because people don't want that. They believe firmly that uh, the faith is, is in a few things. Uh, baptism, confirmation, First communion, and then a wedding and a funeral. And unfortunately, right. that's the way they view it. Now, for some people, the true sons of Abraham, they were born into this thing we call the Missouri Synod, and they feel entitled to it. And they think that the sum and substantive be, is being in league with it. I'm a Missouri Synod Lutheran. Okay, I've got family ties here. Hey, I got news for you. Um, God is able to raise up from these stones, Missouri Synod Lutherans. That is not enough to rest upon. Pedigree is never anything to rest upon. And I would add to that, the amount of theology you take in is not enough to rest upon. Read all the theological books you want. If they're not taken to heart, they profit you nothing. This is not merely an academic exercise. Okay, This is a spiritual rigor that we're talking about. And even when you are receiving those gifts of God, it is important to remember what you're doing, what you're receiving, what God is doing for you here, to be mindful in what you do. And, and to remind it, you know, I, that's why I actually support kids coming up for the blessing at the communion rail so that they can actually see, because we want to keep them away from communion for some reason, um, <laughs> and uh, so because they can actually see what is going on there. And I know there was a tempest in a teapot a few months ago because Godestine uh, had dueling articles on can children come up for a blessing. Take the blessing out of it. Put you know, put that in the back burner for a second, but let the kids come closer. Set your kids in the front row. Let them see what's going on in the church. Remind them that they're worshiping with angels and archangels and the saints of heaven. Remind them that Jesus Christ is present here in a very real and significant way. And then remind them that, that Jesus, who is present in his body and blood there for them, is also their good shepherd. He is guarding them. He is sending his angels to watch over them throughout the week. These it starts with remembering what the reality is and being reminded of it. And then it is, it is the rigors of the day. Pray, pray in the morning, pray at meals, pray at night. Uh, Zell and other 
other advice here? Well, I think when, especially dealing with prayer, something that I would emphasize with this is to really emphasize the discipline aspect of it, the the the, the physicality of it, you know, because sometimes it's going to even, I, I'll, I'll even say almost hurt to pray. And I don't mean like physically hurt or something like that. I mean, like, you really have to drag it out of yourself because yeah. you just don't feel like it's happening. And right. I think, if, it, well, if you want to know for all of our talk about the symbol and the abuse of that, that is really the real biblical symbol justice at Picotter because that's the old Adam struggling. Right. right. But the new man is going to pray. And you're the new man, and you're fighting against the old Adam. Stop identifying with the old Adam. <laughs> Wrestle against him. He's not you. You're a new creature in Christ. You've yeah. just got this vestigial organ. <laughs> that's a real pain. Well, and, and that and that's the beauty of what Paul says in Romans, right? Especially in like in Romans seven, that this is something that is no longer you. It is this power which is within you. This power which is holding your your members in a kind of bondage, but it is not holding you. And every time you give into it, every time you indulge the flesh, you are basically giving into something that is not you. Yeah. You know, we need to we need to really man up in this case and to do the the, the the manly thing, to do the Christian thing, and to fight against that impulse. And yeah. yes, that is going to be difficult. That's going to be a struggle. Which is why I think what Paul says in Romans 15 is also really good. You know, it's it's this this agonizing with me in prayer. He says that towards the end of that chapter, that you are, you know, struggling in prayer to such a degree, it's almost like you're participating in a sporting event. Like you're out on the field fighting and playing in that way, but you're doing it in the things of prayer. Do we have that kind of, you know, tough and, and fighting approach to prayer, or is it just kind of a... Uh, I don't really feel like it today. Yeah, and I think that that then, again, if, if it's about preparedness, if it's about conditioning then, then we're ready to go out and fight those battles. I think the reason that we've ceded so much ground is because we have become so weak. We've we've treated everything as neutral or everything is a matter of freedom. Right. Use your freedom for something worthwhile. You'll be emboldened with that. You know, you're praying and you're praying with the word of God as well things like that, you're, you're learning more and more where the battle lines are drawn in that way. And you're learning more and more what God would have you to do, what God would teach you. And there you'll know, uh, Christians have just, just forgotten. Uh, they have absolutely uh, forgotten. The world out there hates you. And the world is going to do everything it can to stop you from praying, to stop you from coming to church, to stop you from being a Christian. And if your life is identified primarily by something other than Christ, it, let us reevaluate. And we have to we have to talk about it in such stark terms because that's where we are now. That's where we are right here. We need to be, first and foremost, children of the Heavenly Father. And, uh, you know, He has put His name on us. We wear His mark. We're not going to wear the other mark. Right, right. And, and I think pointing out there, too, you know, we need to... Be, you know, struggling with these things, we need to ask ourselves, you know, what's what's the most important thing? Because I think a lot of our issue has come from the fact that we have talked so much about, you know, the comforts and, you know, those sorts of things of, of being a Christian, which are true, and I'm not denying any of them, but we've talked so little of Christian duty. Mm -hmm. Well, and, because that would be works. <laughs> right. But we have a duty. God calls us to do things. And that's okay. That's part of what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> you are you are saved for these things. God chose you before the foundation of the world and prepared for you, these good works for you to do. Yeah. The world is a better place because God gave it the gospel. Yeah. And of course, primarily and fundamentally the most important part of that is salvation in Christ, which is won by him and given by him. Administered through him, all of that, okay. And yet, look at where everywhere Christianity has set foot and taken root, the country has improved. You know, why is Northern Europe just better? <laughs> I would argue Christianity. <laughs> and wherever godless paganism is allowed to thrive, the country is worse for it. So, why is Northern Europe swiftly becoming not better <laughs> because of 
because of that. And I don't know why I'm putting America in Northern Europe, but I'm going to, you know, yeah. Uh, this is word fitly geography is more spiritual than anything. But, but, but I mean, honestly, you look at where Christianity has come, it has stopped human sacrifice. It has stopped, you know, rampant wickedness. And that, cause that is part of the mandate where the gospel is preached, where true conversion happens, people quit doing stuff like that. And, and so it has a civilizing influence and God blesses those nations. We have clean water. We have safety relatively, maybe less so now it's big seventies hours again here in America, but those th- are things that we take for granted, but I would argue come about as a result of the mercy of God and through the gospel being preached, through it, through it being a Christianized nation. And as we've grown further from God, we're not blessed because of that. I mean, you look at every nation before the gospel gets to it. Heathen darkness, we used to say. And that's what it was. And until the light of Christ shone on these nations, they had nothing. Right. And you could say that even of the great civilizations like Egypt and, and elsewhere, you know, and they still need more Christ there. They'll, they'll yeah. build a greater pyramid I'm, if Jesus shows up. Um, <laughs> they won't need a pyramid, right? Right. Why, why be afraid of this sort of thing? Why be embarrassed about talks about Christian culture and the need to reform culture and the need to transform culture through the preaching of the gospel? You know, to go back to the original point, we're so quick to cancel church and to treat church as not essential because fundamentally we believe that. Fundamentally, we're embarrassed of Christian culture. And so we want to look like the world. We want to act like the world. Oh, no, we're Lutherans. We're, we're actually much cooler. We're not like those fundamentalists. <laughs> I, I, I have no desire for Beavis and Butthead Lutheranism. <laughs> that, that's, that's a quote. We need to put that on a bumper sticker. <laughs> but it's 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 where we're at and guys you've got to stop you know fight the good fight get a pseudonym if you need to to fight it but fight it and contend for it well and and that that really is what it has to come down to is we need to regain that sense of importance we need to regain that sense of this is something that actually matters because when we do that all of these other things that we're talking about will will fall in line. Then there will be a desire for discipline. Then there will be a desire to fight. Then there will be a desire for all of these things and the and the power to do them because we will consider it to be the most important thing. Right. And but the until wisdom, then, we won't have it. And the wisdom to how to do these things and how to bring about that will come too. Mm-hmm. You know, and you have to be wise in how you say things and when you say things. Because there are people that would love to cancel us for what we've said on this episode and many others. You know, there are people that we are in fellowship with who fundamentally disagree with us on the nature of the gospel, on the nature of creation, on who the enemies are, right. you know, and that's, that's, we live in, this is a, these are spiritual battles that we fight and you got to be ready for that. We got to gird our loins for that. And I do think that we we're probably entering into another theological crisis. And it's going to have to. We're going to have to fight the, those battles, and we're going to have to contend. And we're going to hope that uh, faithful men do not just see dollar signs or see worldly comfort, and they'll be willing to to be on the right side here. Because it could come. I mean, it very it very easily could come. We could we could all lose our stations for preaching the truth, and I think some of us will in our lifetimes. Sure, sure. Well, and so I think. Part of maybe as a looking at a practical way of, of dealing with this, then, you know, how do we find this kind of drive? How do we find this kind of, uh, you know, keeping things important? You know, what, what do we need to do? Maybe in a, in a very practical sense, just setting, I mean, even just setting like schedules for yourself for something like prayer and keeping those schedules, you know, to say like, I'm going to pray at this time in the morning and then do it no matter what, that kind of insistence on these things, I think would be helpful. Right. If you need a prayer book, use a prayer book. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you need those kind of aids, that's fine too. And there's no sin in that. And some people work much better with them. Some people work better without them. There are plenty of good ones out there if you need them. And if, and if, it, if you are struggling with time, like you're saying, I'm just not really sure what, when I'm going to be able to find the time to do this, get up earlier. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, set your alarm clock and make the first thing you do in the morning prayer or being in the word, whatever right. it has to be. You know, the, or, or alternatively, the last thing you do at night or yeah. both. Both, ideally. Yeah. Yeah. Wherever you can squeeze that in, make it happen. There's always time to do these things. We just, we've convinced ourselves that there isn't. Well, and we talk so much about prayer because it is the forgotten discipline among us. Mm -hmm. We don't like to talk about it. We make fun of people who pray ex corde because sometimes they're not very good at it and it's awkward. But the scripture even talks about that when you don't know the words to say. Right, right. Let's not shame people (laughs) when they struggle with words. You know, it, we talk about prayer so much because it's neglected, but it's so necessary. The early church was a praying church. That's, that's how the liturgy of the hours develops, okay? Because they, they have multiple prayer services throughout the day. Right, right. That doesn't develop in a church that's not praying. They were praying so much, they're like, we've got to regiment this. We've got to organize this better. That, uh, you, yeah. I would say that moment when the word noon comes from the prayer office. Yes. <laughs> that shows that shows you how Christian our, our culture is. No, 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 no. Noon but, is, is is bureaucrat language for lunch. You know that. Right. <laughs> or high noon when we're gonna go to the shootout, I guess. But <laughs> but I mean just just that fact in itself that that word comes from that discipline which they had in the in following the hours of the day says something about how our fathers approach these things, something that we need to regain. Yeah. You know, we've we've taken their words, but we've left behind their zeal. Absolutely. I, and I think I think that's just a shame. It really is. Right. And if we don't have zeal, how do we get it? Let's ask for it. Yeah. Ask the Lord for zeal, for strength, for courage. You'd be surprised. He actually does hear prayer and he actually does grant it. And and we should continue to ask for it, too. I mean, well, and, and let me put it this way, too. We should be so insistent in prayer and so insistent in the things of God that even when God does cancel church because of weather, this is me trying to tie it all together. Put a little bow on it, yeah. Put a little bow on it. You're still in prayer on that day. The yeah. fact the weather is blowing outside is not going to stop you from praying. Right. Know? The world will not stop you from praying. Being in prison will not stop you from praying. You know, think of Paul <laughs> in the in the jail of Philippi. Right. He's still praying. He's still singing. Be in these things and be, you know, so obnoxiously after them that no one is going to tear you away. That's right. what we need to be. Get at it. Get at Get it. Get at it. <laughs> All right, we're coming up on the end of the episode. Any any final thoughts on this? I hope you don't get a big blizzard after this. <laughs> well, I don't think we're going to get any any wilder weather. I think I think we're finally on the, the 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 upward movement into summer. I like to say we don't really have a spring around here, but that's beside the point. No, I I as a final parting thought, you know, just to really treat these things with the importance that they deserve. If you have to use external aids to help you do that, do it, because this is the most important thing in the world, to run to run after the Lord, who is our Savior, who has done all these things for us, and to hold on to him, because everything else will pass away, but he will not. Amen. Well, thanks, folks, for listening. Uh, we hope to get back to a regular schedule here. Uh, it's been a little rocky the last couple of weeks, but we should be good, Lord willing. Got some fun episodes uh, coming up. We've got more biographical episodes, perhaps even some biographies of non-Lutheran theologians coming up. That'll be a fun one. That'll start a flame war. Uh, <laughs> probably another conclave coming up. Uh, anything I'm forgetting coming up we want to tease the folks with? No, I think I think that's good. We'll we'll leave something secret, but I think you've got most of the, the highlights. So oh, very good. Well this has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out wordfitlyspoken.org, Facebook.com slash wordfitly or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Selwyn Heidi. God love you and God bless.